So let's pray, and then we're going to get into the Word tonight. Let's bow your heads. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we honor you for who you are to us. For you are an amazing God. You are our King. You are our Lord, and we appreciate you. We are grateful for the work that you have done for us. You provided your son to die on Calvary for us. But, Father, you loved us so much that he did not stay in the grave. He got up on the third day with all power in his hands. And, God, as we prepare and as we begin this year in this prayer revival, this prayer week, seeking your face, we thank you right now, God, that we come out of prayer different. We thank you, Father, that we have ears to hear, we have a heart to receive, and our answer will be yes to your will for our lives. Let your will be done in me. Let your will be done through me. And yes, Father, let your will be done for me. We are your children. You are our God. And we praise you for these things in Jesus' name. Let the church say amen. Amen. I'm honored to pastor a church right in downtown Rochester. It's called Glory House International. And we planted the church literally with nothing 10 years ago. This year, the church turns 10 years old, and it's always amazing to see what God can accomplish through a willing vessel. Many of you, I don't know where you are in your journey of ministry or education, wherever you are, know that it's not the end. It's just a stop in the journey. You're going to look back at your time here in Elam as God launches you out in various realms and aspects of ministry, and you're going to look back at these moments and you say, I remember when I was here, but God brought me this far through. And so I want you to be encouraged. Let's get into the scripture. I'm going to preach about the force of prayer tonight. I'm going to start in 1 Samuel, the first chapter. 1 Samuel, the first chapter. reason why I'm preaching, of course, I'm preaching this um, by the leading of the Lord, but also there, I'm going to use two chapters tonight, two um, parts of the text. I'm going to read from 1 Samuel, and then I'm going to go to Matthew 14, and I just want to give you the connection of these two texts. Oftentimes, when we think of prayer, as we think of seeking the Lord, we all Oftentimes, this comes in a sense of idealism. We pray when things are well. But in both of these texts, we're going to talk about Hannah. I mean, we're going to talk about, uh, we're going to talk about Hannah as she was weeping before the Lord. She had a need that was desperate. And this type of prayer is not a pretty type of prayer. It's not a prayer of convenience. It's not a prayer... Of, of hope, but it was a prayer of desperation. It was a prayer that was full of anguish. It was a prayer full of hurt. It was a prayer full of pain. And the reason why I want to emphasize this is because it is a great thing to know that God will even accept all of those things as an offering. You can bring your pain, your anguish, your confusion, your questions, all of these things before God, and he receives these things as an offering. And the great thing that I love about the God that we serve, how many people are glad to serve the true and living God? Let me ask that question again. How many people are glad to serve the true and living God? The thing that I love about the God that we serve is that he does not only hear our prayers, but I'm glad that he is a prayer-answering God. Let the church say amen. I like, to, I like to lay the groundwork, level the playing field, because oftentimes in 2024, in this new century, people always talk about God, but I'm not always sure that we all serve the same God. Let the church say amen to that. 
We live in an age where there is so much, uh, I, there, there's just so much compromise and there's so much vagueness on who the God, which God are we talking about? I am talking about the God of all ages. I'm talking about the creator of the universe. I'm talking about the God who spoke into nothing and made something. I'm talking about the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. I'm talking about the God who looked down and seen the sinfulness of man, and he sent his son Jesus to come and live among us. That is the God I'm talking about. I'm talking about the God who can do anything but fail. So he received Hannah's gift, her burden, her pain, her, her grief. Let's read the scripture. I'm getting revved up already. I haven't even read my scripture. We come into the middle of a narrative. We come into the middle of a narrative where uh, Hannah, she's married to a man named Elkanah, and Elkanah has another wife named Penina. And Penina, um, she, was, she had lots of children from Elkanah, and Hannah had none. And they would go up to the holy place to present an offering to God every year. And Penina would literally taunt and flaunt the fact that she was able to have children, though Hannah was barren. And the name Penina actually means agitator, one that would agitate, one that would agitate. It also gives a sense of when a oyster, pearls come out of oysters, right? Just wanted to make sure. I thought so. When an oyster gets a piece of dust in it and it begins to irritate it, it creates something that is of such value that we call a pearl. Penina was agitating, was frustrating, was flaunting to Hannah the fact that she was able to give Elkanah children, sons and daughters to ensure that he had a legacy, that his, in, that his inheritance would pass on. But Hannah had no children. She was barren. She was frustrated because she would pray and she would go and present sacrifices to God every year, but yet she was still barren. And this is the narrative where we begin to read. We're going to begin reading at the ninth verse. Everybody got their Bibles? Everybody got their apps? Everybody? Who still has a paper Bible? Hey, I, I, why did I ask that question? This is Evil Elam Bible School. Amen. That's right. I love paper Bibles. You know, I wish the Bible app had, uh, um, I wish they had a feature where if you're scrolling, you can, it can sound like the pages are turning. Some of, somebody needs to create that. I'm pretty sure it'll make you very wealthy. <laughs> Verse 9. This is after they had eaten. I'm reading from ESV. After they had eaten and drunk in Shiloh, Hannah rose. Now Eli, the priest, was sitting on the seat beside the doorpost of the temple of the Lord. She was deeply distressed and prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly. And she, and she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your servant and remember me and not forget your servant, but will give to your servant a son, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life. And no razor shall touch his head. As she continued praying before the Lord, Eli, the priest, the one who was sitting in the temple, observed her mouth. Hannah was speaking in her heart, but only her lips were moving 
and her voice was not heard. My God. Let me repeat that. Hannah was speaking in her heart. Her lips were moving, and her voice was not heard. There is a level. I'm going to take a pause, and I'm going to keep reading. There is a level of prayer and intercession that comes out of the desperate, those who desire to see the will of God demonstrated and manifested in their lives. It goes beyond verbal articulation. I love the scriptures. We see over in the New Testament, it says, for the Spirit will make intercession on your behalf. It says, when you don't know what to pray. I don't know about you, but I don't always know what to pray. I don't always know which direction to take. I don't always know what language or what words to put in space. And the scripture says, when you don't know what to pray, the Spirit, somebody say the Spirit, the Holy Ghost, the Spirit of the living God will forever make its intercession on your behalf. Now, I'm very well aware that the Spirit of God had not fallen at this point, but this woman was in such anguish. She was in such desperation that her heart began to pray and her words could not catch up with the desires of her heart. She had a desire to see the will of God demonstrated and manifested in her life. It was such a way that she prayed that Eli the priest said this. It says, and Eli said to her, verse 14, how long will you go on being drunk? Oh, my God. You know, in, in today's age, people would have coined that church hurt. I mean, I was at the altar praying, and the, and the pastor said I was a drunk. I'm here pouring out my heart before God, and the pastor was judging me. But there comes a point in time when you're so desperate for God, you don't care what anybody says. Come on. Do I have any people that want God just like that? I believe I'm standing in front of people that have heard the stories of revival, that have heard miracles, heard about miracles, signs, and wonders. Maybe have even experienced those miracles, signs, and wonders. There comes a time in your prayer life, in your journey, as you are seeking the Lord, you get so desperate, you don't care what anybody has to say about how you are seeking the Lord. He says, how long are you going to be? How long are you going to be a drunken woman? And then he, and, and Eli said to her. How long will you go on being drunk? Put your wine away. But Hannah answered, no, my Lord, I am a woman troubled in spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but I've been pouring out my soul before the Lord. I've been pouring out my soul before the Lord. He says, do not regard your servant as a worthless woman. For all along, I've been speaking out about my, out my great, great anxiety and vexation. And Eli said, he answered her, he says, go in peace, and the God of Israel grant your petition that you have made to him. Go in peace, and may the God of Israel grant your petition that you have made to him. Somebody say, keep reading. I think I will. Thank you. Verse 18, and she said, let your servant find favor in your eyes. Then the woman went her way and ate her face, ate and her face was no longer sad. I'm going to take a pause. I'm not done reading yet, but we see a transaction that has just happened. There was a need. There was a desire. I also believe that God gave Hannah a vision that she would one day carry. Why would there be such an urgency if God never gave you a vision? 
Why would there be such a weeping and a crying and a seeking to, of, of the Father at the altar if he never gave you a vision? I believe Hannah's petition was in alignment with God's vision for your life. My point number one, I'm not even done reading scriptures, that make sure you, your prayers are in line with God's will for your life. We are moving beyond a moment and beyond the point where there are selfish prayers going on. You, we should be praying, God, let your will be done in my life. I love the scripture. It says, if, you're, if you abide in me and my word abide in you, ask what you will. And our Father in heaven shall do it. That is a chemistry right there. He says, if you abide in me and I abide in you, ask what you will, and our Father in heaven will do it. Why is that such a guarantee that the Father in heaven will do it? Because you're not praying your will. You're praying God's perfect will. You're not praying your own desires. You're praying the will of God. Why? Because his word abides in you. His desires abide in you. My prayer is, God, let your will be done in me. This is the truth. If you want to die to self, find yourself in the place of prayer. If you want to see the hand of God, the power of God, the will of God demonstrated in your life, find yourself in the place of prayer. You're not going to do it just by having a dope social media influence. You're not going to do it making great reels. All of that is great. You're not going to even do it just fellowshipping and serving and worshiping. If you want to die to yourself and live to God's perfect will, find yourself at an altar, seeking God, crying out, asking God, let your will be done in me. Pray until it's no longer you praying. My God, that's something powerful. Seek him until it's no longer you seeking him. I believe that God is birthing a generation in this hour, in this season, a generation of intercessors, a generation of people who will pray without ceasing. Somebody say it is so. So she went her way. She prayed. She weeped. She cried. She begged. She asked the Lord, hey, please don't forget me. Please don't forget me. Hey, I see everybody else getting what they've asked you. I see you blessing everybody else. But please, don't forget me. <laughs> Listen, I, I firmly believe sometimes he saves the best for last. You might see everybody else making the progress that, that you want to make. You see everybody getting what they need. But I promise you, God has not forgotten about you. Who am I talking to in this room tonight? God has not forgotten about you. God has given you a dream. God has given you a desire to advance the kingdom of God. And he has not forgotten about you. I love the scripture. It says, for his word will not return unto him void. But it is an accomplishing word. It says it will accomplish all that he sent it out to do. I'm here to tell you that there is a word that is working on your behalf. There was a word performing the will and the why of God on your life. The only thing you have to do is wait in faith. All you have to do is continue to ask and seek. And the next thing you know you're going to be, you're not going to be only praying for the perfect will of God. You're going to be standing in the perfect will of God. Oh, yes. I love praying, but I love standing even more. I love praying the will of God, but isn't it amazing when you find yourself standing in God's perfect will for your life? Let's keep going. 
Verse 19, they rose early in the morning and worshiped before the Lord. Then they went back to their house at Ramah. And Elkanah knew Hannah, his wife. I like this last line. You might want to underline it. And the Lord remembered her. And the Lord remembered her. Verse 20, my last verse. And in due time, Hannah conceived and bore a son, and she called his name Samuel, for she said, I have asked for him from the Lord. I love the swiftness of the response of God. We see them praying, and the scripture gives us some detail. It says, as after she left the temple, she went and ate, and the next day they went home. The travel, and my research, it says that the travel took a few days. And in the moment they got home, God was waiting to remember Hannah. Elkanah knew Hannah, and immediately her prayers were answered. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading of his word. There is an order of prayer that is arising that this generation has yet to see. And there is a dimension of prayer where you are no longer leading this prayer yourself. I believe that we're getting ready to see an uptick of spirit-led intercession. There's no, there's no prayer points. There's no prayer list. There's a burden that will fall on his children, on his sons and daughters, and we will begin to allow the Spirit of God to lead us in prayer like no other time that we've seen. Prayer is a technology, yes, I'm using that language, that allows us to communicate cross realms. We don't need sage. We don't need Ouija boards. We don't need tarot cards. We do away with that. We have a technology called prayer that gives us the ability to, to communicate into the heavens. Hallelujah. When he saved us, when we got saved, when we got washed in the blood of Jesus, when he filled us with his Holy Spirit, he gave us access to communicate with him beyond our natural abilities. He's given us the gift of the Holy Spirit. And so when we pray these prayers, I believe this, in 2024, where there's, we live in a time, I said this earlier, of massive compromise. I believe that I'm standing in front of a remnant. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm a part of the remnant. Come on, you, if, even if you don't believe it, say it by faith. I'm a part of the remnant. The, a remnant is a piece, a portion, a, a, a group of individuals. You are a part of a remnant because we live in a culture where Christianity is so cool. Everybody's a Christian. Everybody's a Christian in word, but people aren't a Christian in lifestyle. Everybody proclaims Christ because it's cool on social media, but the moment the rubber meets the road and we have to, we have to align our life to our convictions, it's a whole other story. I had somebody say, you too saved. I'm too saved. Oh, bro, you're doing too much. What does it actually look like for me to be doing too much for Jesus? I believe that God is raising up a people that would once again be inundated, be hungry, be infatuated with the things of God. And this prayer, this type of prayer is going to go beyond your level of comfort. I, I, I've ex prayer is my jam. Prayer is my sweet space. I often tell people I pray better than I preach. I've been praying. The ministry of prayer and intercession has been one of the places where I've communed with God in the most sweetest ways. I've gotten prayers answered. I've gotten prayers denied. What do you mean denied? Yes, God says no sometimes. 
If you serve a God that always says yes, that may be somebody else. He don't always tell us yes. Has God ever told anybody no? I'm in good company. So I'm like, man, for real? I thought, I thought we was cool. He says, we are. That's what I'm telling you no. If we weren't cool, I'd just say yes to everything, and you'd find yourself in a world of trouble. Thanks be unto the God who tells us no. And let the church say amen. There is a you are the generation that will be overtaken in the spirit of prayer and intercession. I'm going to say this with full assurance and confidence of the Holy Ghost. I've read up on the history of Elam. Back in 2023, in February, the Lord woke me up at 2.30 in the morning with Elam on my heart. I've never attended here. I had never been to the campus. I grew up in Henrietta, not too far from here. My parents pastor church in the urban context of Rochester on Hudson Avenue. Somebody say Hudson. Anybody been to Hudson Avenue before? I didn't think so. It's all good. <laughs> Bro, I got one right there. <laughs> never been to this place. And the Lord put Elam on my heart. I woke up and I began to ask God, why are you placing Elam on my heart? And the Lord began to give me details. He says, uh, details about what this place is getting ready to experience. And I sat on it. I didn't mention it to anybody. All of a sudden, I came across a pastor, and I, his name is eluding me. He pastors in Henrietta. Somebody said I needed to connect with him. I didn't know he was an Elam graduate. And I began to share with him my heart for this place. Then he called Dr. Antonelli. Next thing I know, I'm sitting at Panera Bread with Dr. Antonelli, and we know a lot of the same people. And I'm like, what in the world has happened? And I began to share with him what the Spirit of the Lord laid on my heart for this place. And I began to tell him, I said, the Spirit of the Lord says that in the next two to three years, we're getting ready. I just shared it with you. And, you, and when you say stuff like this, you really got to step out on faith. Because right now, I, I can look real bad in the next two to three years if this don't happen. <laughs> and when I come back, you're like, bro, it didn't happen. I'm like, uh, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. This is what God told me. <laughs> I told him, I said, in the next two to three years, the Lord has laid on my heart to help bolster and double the enrollment of this universe, of this school. Out of the blue, why would God give me a dream about Elam? I've never been here. I don't know either. So what did I do? I didn't just let it be a dream. Because how many people have had a dream and didn't do anything with it? How many of you have discerned things and it left, it stayed at discerning? I, I, felt, I thought that was the case and you didn't do anything with it. Do not allow God to invest in you a dream and you do nothing with it. So, the man, God, God gave me a dream and immediately I started to pray into it. I began to toil over this. I began to weep and wail over this. I began to learn the history of this space. I began to learn about all of the nations of the earth that this, this school in the middle way out, well, for me, it's way out in the middle of nowhere, has birthed out revivalists across this world. And the Lord says, this is why I placed it on your heart, because I'm not done with that place yet. Whew. Hallelujah. He says, I'm not done with this place yet. And he says, he told me this as I was praying, and I wrote it down. He says, their future will be even greater than their history. And the Lord is looking for somebody to say yes. Somebody in this seat, sitting in this room right now, 
will give God an unyielding yes, and he will do marvels and wonders in your life, and you will carry the power of the gospel to the spans of the earth, and they will say, this is an individual who went to Elam. And the wells of revival are being primed and pumped. Usually when we talk about revival and prayer, we talk about redigging the wells, right? Let's redig the wells of Finney. Let's redig the wells of what happened before. And God says, Do you not think I have other wells that I need to be dug, that I need you to dig? Why are you always redigging wells? I love the beautiful nostalgia of yesteryears. I'm a third generation Pentecostal pastor, and we're always talking about what God did in the 60s, what God did in the 70s and 80s. And I'm like, Man, did God do anything in the 2000s? And he says, yes, I have, but I want to do it through you. When we ask the question, is God still doing those things, we should turn and look within ourselves to say, am I an available, am I a willing and available vessel for God to use? So I said, God, what does this mean? What do you mean you want to bolster the enrollment? What do you mean you want to breathe fresh life into this place? I, I, listen, there's going to be times again where you all come to chapel that's supposed to be maybe an hour, and the Spirit of the Lord slaps y'all in y'all face, and the next thing you know, you're here for two hours. And to many, it won't make any sense. This is too much. What do you mean it's too much? Sometimes you would think God is doing too much when he's ready to get his will done in the earth. And the reason why we feel like sometimes it's too much is because we did not willingly submit and say yes in the first place. Has God ever given y'all dream after dream after dream about the same thing over and over? And you're like, God, why you keep giving me the same dream? I'm trying to get your attention. Not only am I trying to get your attention, I'm trying to get your yes. Not only am I trying to get your yes, I'm trying to get you to cooperate with my will for your life. We see Hannah not understanding why she's barren. I believe God gave her a vision. All she sees is Penina carrying child after child, helping Elkanah carry his legacy. And she went to the Lord with the burden, with the cry, with the pain, with the frustration. She says, God... Don't forget me. It was not the most eloquent prayer, but it was all she had. You may not speak in the languages that are impressive and that are full of articulation, but if you have a heart, God would hear it. The only thing you may have in your prayer arsenal at the time is, don't forget about me. Mm. Has anybody ever had that type of prayer? God, I've seen you do it for others. Don't forget about me. God, I know what you've showed me. I've been obedient thus far. Don't forget about me. She prayed in such a way that her prayers were unconventional. We know they were unconventional because the priest, Eli, who was standing there, had never seen anything like it. She was praying so unconventionally that he's like, she got to be a little drunk. Something is a little different about homegirl's prayer. She at the altar, her lips are moving, but she forgot to turn her voice on. And being 
a guard to the temple, the, the, being the priest, the one who ensures the, the sanctity of this place, he went up to her and says, uh-uh, this ain't right. We're not allowing this in this church. He says, how long are you going to be a drunken woman? Put your bottle away and don't do this in the house of God. She says, sir, I promise you I'm not drunk. I'm just a little desperate for God. You have to imagine what her countenance and her disposition was in order for Elkanah, I mean, in order for Eli the priest to think she was drunk. This, is, this reminds me of what was to come in the New Testament, in the book of Acts, the second chapter. That same type of prayer began to happen, and they were seeking, they were praying, they were asking, they were believing. And all of a sudden, there came a sound from heaven as a mighty rushing wind, and cloven tongues of fire appeared upon their heads. And they began to speak with tongues as the Spirit of God gave utterance, and it began to noise abroad. And the people that heard it in the streets says. They got to be drunk. That's a good prayer meeting. <laughs> Talking about a good prayer meeting, the prayer got so fiery, it got so intense, it got so real that you're, they begin to demonstrate the manifestation of their prayers. This is my declaration. You can steal it if you want. My life will be a manifestation of what I prayed for. Come on, somebody repeat that right now. My life will be a manifestation of what I prayed for. I will live what I prayed. I will stand in what I prayed. I am praying the perfect will of God for my life. 2024 at Elam Bible Institute would be full of students who will live and stand in the perfect will of God for their lives. Let the church say amen. Another point, my last point, because i got to come back and teach in the morning. And I believe this is the, the model of this season for us as the body of Christ. Because there's been such gross darkness that has descended on the earth. In our nation, in our churches, that he's looking to rise up a light, a remnant. It says that when she left, her countenance changed. She was no longer burdened. Why? Because she knew that God had heard her prayers. The priest says, all right, and since you're not drunk, get up, get yourself together, for the Lord has heard your prayers. So she got up, dried her face, and went, and she had some good food. She says, I might as well eat because God had heard my prayers. And not too many days after that, whew, guess what happened? It says that Elkanah knew Hannah, and she conceived. Why is that so exciting? It's because God... I, Here's another way I'm putting myself out there, especially in this season, as he's birthing something fresh out of you, he's cutting down the time between the time you prayed and the time you received. One, one time it threw some, uh, in the past, it felt like it took forever for him to respond or for you to see the manifestation. I believe he's cutting down the time of manifestation in your life. Somebody say amen. Whew. If you don't say amen, I'll take that for myself. I need the time to be cut down in half. She prayed. She weeped at that altar in such a way God answered her prayers. And not too many days later, she conceived the promise. Did she know she conceived the promise? She did not know she conceived the promise, but she, she lived as if she did. She got up off of that altar in faith, knowing that God had heard her prayers. And next several days, she conceived what she prayed for. Be it unto me, Lord, according to your word. 
I believe that we're stepping into a time. If you would be diligent in your prayer time, prayer is not convenient. I know y'all don't want to tell the truth. Prayer is not convenient. I'm a whole pastor, and I love to pray. But sometimes I get down and pray, I'm like, ooh, I would rather be asleep right now. Can y'all be honest with me? Somebody, can y'all be honest? Because if y'all can't be honest, I'm not going to even ask. Can y'all be honest? How many of y'all went down to pray, and the next thing you know, you were drooling and snoring? All right. How many of you all said, okay, I know I need to pray, but oh, my gosh, my schedule really doesn't, really doesn't allow me to do that. Anybody in here? Um, thank y'all. I don't have to rebuke the spirit of lie off of y'all. Y'all are so honest. I'm so glad. Prayer is not convenient. Prayer is not always fire and wind, and sometimes prayer is silent and boring, but God wants you to discipline your soul to wait to hear from him. I love revival services. I love running revivals. I love to see the fire of God manifested, but guess what? God says, listen, if the only thing you want from me is the mountaintop, but you can't handle the valley, you're not ready for what I got for you. That wind is great. That fire is powerful. But can you handle the silence? It says that Elijah went to the mouth of the cave, wrapped himself in the man. It says the fire came. God wasn't in the fire. The wind blew. He wasn't in the wind. And the earth shook. God wasn't in that. Why? Because those are all the ways that Elijah was used to hearing God. We know he went to Mount Carmel and the fire fell. We know he, he spoke to the elements and the elements responded. He says, God was not in all the noise. Prayer's not always convenient. But it says he wrapped his face with the mantle. And where was God? In the still, small voice. So prayer's not always convenient. Sometimes you have to quiet the noise in your soul so you can hear the God of all age speak to you. Two, I'm going to ask that you go beyond convenience this year. Go beyond convenience. What do you mean go beyond convenience, Melvin? I'm glad you asked. You all are so inquisitive. <laughs> Pray when you don't feel like praying. Well, I don't got an hour. Give him 20 minutes. You will be amazed at what God can say in 20 minutes. I woke up late for class. Give him that five or that 10 minutes. Don't even run out the door. Get on your knees for a moment and seek the Lord. Go beyond convenience. Any move, any revival, any, any great experience that we see in the earth, it was always birthed out of prayer. If it, was, if it wasn't, it was illegal. We, we do know that there's false signs and false wonders, right? That wasn't birthed out of prayer. This is why you have, to get, you have to make prayer. You have to go beyond convenience. Discipline your soul for boring prayer. I've never said that before. Have you ever heard somebody tell you discipline yourself for boring prayer? You heard good? You, that's some good teaching. Because we want, you know, I'm a, I'm a rocker when I pray. I get the glory, I start feeling, I'm moving. But sometimes I feel nothing. Hannah, only thing she felt was grief. She didn't feel glory. Only thing Hannah felt was pain. She didn't feel the promise. But what did she do? She kept praying. Discipline your soul for boring prayer. 
This shows us that we're walking by faith and not by sight. What do you mean, Melvin? I just got so many great questions. <laughs> because if we're always walking by what we feel, that's not faith. If we feel God, that's when we move. But how many know that you don't always feel and you still have to trust him? Getting ready to close. Hannah did not realize what she was praying for. She knew God gave her a vision for her son. She birthed out Samuel. Samuel was not just an answer for Hannah. He was an answer for Israel. Woo. Samuel just wasn't Hannah's little baby. He was Israel's prophet. He literally shifted the entire paradigm of Israel. And it was because of Samuel that the temple did not go without a priest. After Eli, the one who thought his mama was drunk, allowed his sons to keep getting drunk. After he died and the ark was taken, God spoke to Samuel and Samuel rose. The things you may be praying for, you might think it's just what you desire, but God says, no, I have a desire in the earth that's going to come through you. And it's going to change the trajectory of everything we know to be. Who's to say we're going to keep doing church the way we've been doing it? There is a prayer that is going to come out of somebody in this room that's going to change everything. Like we, we didn't think in 2020, who has church strictly online? We were like, that's, a, that's, that's absurd. That's preposterous. We did it. that We had to. Who's to say what 2024 has to offer us? If there are people who would pray, we would not be caught off guard. Her prayers did not just benefit her. It benefited an entire nation. Shifted an entire paradigm. Shifted the, the entire way that they did things. Samuel just wasn't a priest. He heard God. He was a priest and prophet. He was the one to anoint. The king, the first king of Israel, His prayer, her prayers changed everything. Let's stand to our feet. Your prayers, it may seem like they're just for you, but your prayers are going to impact everyone around you.